Welcome to the Game of the Flavors podcast, episode 54. My name is John, and I am joined by Ryan. Don't listen to John Doerr's lies. I'm Captain Bosch. And here on the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and today we study the famous battles of the Urquan conflict in today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. <laughs> I think it's your best one yet, dude. I think so. That might be. I think uh, so. Hopefully Urquan is the correct pronunciation of this uh, race, because you're going to have some really pissed off, like, odyssey fans and stuff don't out believe there. john Doerr's lies i'm captain bosch where are you getting that from so uh let's mix it up john so this week i didn't pick up anything but i did start playing final fantasy 12 which you? i picked up really? a while ago yeah i uh i dropped little town hero like a hot sack of rocks because is it really that bad at the end now you know i i didn't even make it a whole lot further than last week but I got to the point where I was in a fight and all of the little things that it had given to me throughout the game that kept my interest, like the the game board and moving around between turns, trying to land on the spots, trying to use uh, other items in the environment to set up your turns to deal damage, trying to use you know your position to get into a good position next turn to use an ally to do some damage or to fill up all of your statuses. I had gotten, you know, a bunch of new levels of skills to start picking up, which I thought were going to be, oh, these are going to be great. They're so much better than they were before. This opens up so many more options. I was really excited to keep going. And I just got stuck on this fight. And I just can't get the RNG to let me get into a position where I can win and it's just, it gives you all of these great ideas and it tries to build on those ideas to come up with like a couple different systems that work well together and you start to really get a grasp on that and then it takes it all away and it says brute force RNG this fight and I was sitting there with my Switch and I just didn't want to go back and play it again. Like I've been trying, I mean I was playing that game like every free moment that I had for like a week or two, you know, having like a good old time with it, trying to see, is this really going to be as bad as everybody says? And in the end, I just did what I always do. I, I gave up on it when it wasn't fun anymore. And I've been meaning to pick up Final Fantasy 12. So I've been playing Final Fantasy 12 all weekend. So I will uh, put this out there for our listeners. That's one out of three I haven't finished. Where? <laughs> Where is uh, Zone of the Enders 2 right now? That's the other one of the three, but that one will be done for my new game's resolution. That I was, still have a month. That was a resolution. I still have a month left. That yeah. means it's still possible. About a month and 10 days, roughly. Yeah, I can yeah. do that. Yeah, actually, exactly 10 days. Okay. Uh, well, this week I have turned into you, so I had no pickups, and I didn't play any games, except for I played a little bit of Ninja Seki, DX on the PS4, uh -huh. a little side-scrolling uh, ninja game. It's okay. I mean, I got to, God, what was it? Probably the fifth level in that one. And uh, I just was like, all right, I'm done. It was a free game. I needed to play something during the week to not be fully Ryan. Oh, no, I did pick up. I picked holy, up holy the crap. PS Plus. Oh, I picked up something too. Oh, wait, PS Plus. You got the $25 deal I sent you or was it something else? No, no, I 
I you just got the PS it. Plus this month. Oh, I can't I, remember even what it was, it but was, I got it. It was Outlast and uh, uh, Neo. Oh, I picked up Neo, and I, have, I I didn't even pick up Outlast two because uh, I've already watched Noah Caldwell Gervais' video on the Outlast series, and I will never play either of those games, and I'd rather watch him talk about them than play them myself. I've got physical copies of both, so there was no point in me picking them up. I just I've always thought Neo looked really cool. So I was stoked when that was like up for grabs. Yeah, it was not bad. I mean, if you pick it up to play it, I'll play it with you because I just didn't have anybody to play it with and I was playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's pretty hard. So, I mean, it's like stupid hard at times. So, uh, yeah, that's one I do want to pick up again at some point. But it's kind of Neo. I actually talked about it with an old host for our podcast. And one of the things with Neo that was an issue was just a sheer amount of items that you receive, man. Like, after everybody you kill, you get an item. And it might be the same item that varies in rarity. And it's just a constant, like, abundance of items being dropped your way. It's kind of like Diablo on steroids, yeah. if I recall. And it just wasn't... It was just really interesting how you tried to kind of uh, get your weapons built and everything in the game and combine different materials. And there was just so much going on that... I ultimately wish they would have just kind of slimmed down a few of the features and make it more straightforward. Uh, so, But I would pick it up again if you wanted to play it. And, and uh, team up. Yeah, I'm not sure what my gaming future holds. I'm actually having fun. Oh, I didn't need to tell you my pickup, though. Oh, you said you didn't have no pickup. So I forgot. I actually did. I did, it's, too, it's a so non, I forgive you. It's a non-video game pickup. Well, no, 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 no. It's gaming, though. I picked up the newest D&D book, Eberron. That has the... Uh, oh, the new setting. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. So I got Anybody the... who doesn't know yet, I don't know how much we've talked about this, but me and John are D&D people. I used to DM John. I uh, I helped him ride a dragon through oh. the Underdark and... Uh, destroy an entire city. Oh, was... And then holding that for two months. Actually, I didn't help him. John furiously rolled crits against me so that I was unable to act against him in... It, it, it's very convoluted, but it's short term. John made a deal with a demon and gave some power to a dragon and it, it rode it through a city and, and attacked the castle. And on top of that, I built my character to have stupid luck. So I had like high deception rolls and everything. Like I had a plus seven for deception. Plus I had my luck points. So every time I failed, it's just like, luck, I get the re-roll. So it's like, oh, look, John rolled a two. No, oh. hold on. Here's a 25. Those were the days. Oh. But anyways, yeah, I was actually just listening to yeah. a podcast on the way here talking about the Eberron setting. So it sounds know. really interesting. Yeah. And I think it takes place in a totally different setting. It, yeah. It's away from that. But yeah. it actually has a new class that they've opened yeah, up. Yeah. The Artificer. The Artificer class. Yeah. And I was looking at that and they're saying that it's kind of broken in a sense that this character down the road will be able to have the ability to create like nine magical items that they're attuned to at one point. Well, the thing the thing with the artificer is like if if anybody's out there that doesn't know about it, I don't know if you know about it, John. Have you heard of Unearthed Arcana? Yeah, I have the uh I mean it's not the Unearthed Arcana, but I have the Xanthers guy and then I do I used to have a copy of the Unearthed Arcana that they had released years ago. Well, Unearthed Arcana now is a it's a uh not a blog but wizards of the coast posts oh yeah yeah, yeah. potential you know like here's ideas that we're working on and the artificer that came out like a long time ago like a couple years ago i think is when it first came out on arcana and you can see kind of when they got the feedback and then they came out with a second draft and now they're finally releasing this new character class so i think that's exciting i don't know that if i'm willing to pick up the whole Eberron book 
just to get access to that. Well, because reason... I don't think that any of my players like we're pretty invested in our campaign right now. I don't think anybody's looking necessarily to roll a new thing. Well, so the campaign I'm involved in, we have a, a high chance of dying. Like the yeah. other day, I was like one death save away from dying in our campaign. And a lot of that, that wasn't even my fault. I just got ambushed. But it's always John's fault. No, no, don't no. believe John Doerr's lies. I'm Captain Bosch. So I'm picking it up primarily for two reasons. Me, obviously, you know, with video games, I pick things up cheap. And then, you know, if they're a high price down the road. So, you know, that Xanthor's Guide, we have the alternate cover. Yeah. That's going for $200 now. I'll that sell book. it for a high price. So, yeah, right. What are you buying? So, uh, I went ahead and picked up the alternate cover of Eberron thinking, let me hold on to this. I'll buy the $30 regular book. Aren't you glad we didn't go in on those those SNES classics like we were talking about? Actually, I, uh, yeah, but I mean, we could have returned them. I mean, it would have been okay. Anyways, John, we all know how like John likes to collect and, you know, plan for the future with all these marketing schemes. Well, if Eberron in a year goes up, you know, four times his value, we'll see who's laughing then, right? There we go. Let me know if you want to pick up a copy. Um, so that was my pickup. And you haven't, you guys aren't playing anything together anymore? You finished all your games? Oh, my wife and I? Yeah, you haven't played anything in the last week at all. No, uh, we were playing together. Oh, except for, you already said. We were playing Zack and Wiki, and she wasn't, mm-hmm. like, after a while, she was like, ah, eh, no, I'm kind of done with this. So she's been playing Spider-Man. Mm. A lot recently, which is part of the reason I haven't been playing anything, because I was playing Concrete Genie, and that's on PS4, and she's playing Spider-Man, so it's one of those, like... Only uh, one can play. Yeah, and I don't want to have to, like, take out the That's why we have two back. PS4s. Yeah, I'm not getting two PS4s. Um, and then the other thing I was playing for a while was Batman Arkham City, and I just haven't wanted to play it. That's how I felt with... Uh, Arkham City was the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I played, like... And tried to do everything in Arkham Asylum. Mm-hmm. And then I immediately jumped into Arkham City. And I was just like, I'm batman out, man. Yeah, and it's not saying I'm batman out. It's just I got Disney Plus now. And so I've been like 100%. Gargoyles! Yeah, I was watching DuckTales last night. So I've been fully invested in Disney Plus shows recently. I know. Well, that's what I've been doing the last few nights. I've been staying up late watching Disney Plus and playing Final Fantasy. And, you know, that's one of the things, like, let me talk about some Final Fantasy XII here real quick, folks. I was so excited for this game in high school. I got, you know, those nice, big, chunky collector's edition, you know, uh, guidebooks that they used to have with, you know, like the white cover and you open it up and it's got the art book and the main book. And, you know, I had those for... Have you seen my den? Yeah, 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 I had those for Final Fantasy X, 12, Kingdom Hearts 2. You know, I really liked those. So I had those, and I had the, the tin Collector's Edition game, and I was so excited for it, and I just remember not being interested in the game. And then I started reading about Zodiac Age when that came out, and it got me interested, like, oh, you know what? I really never finished that. I don't remember hardly anything about it except for the I'm Captain Bosch part. And I just did that part again last night, so I'm caught up. But the combat is way better than I remember. Like, the Gambit system is still weird, and I'm still getting used to it. But with this updated version, it's got one of those things that a lot of they, you know, they've been adding to these remasters and updates and ports. It's got, like, a fast-forward mode. 
So you can just click that button and your combats go by really quick. And because of the Gambit system, you don't really have to select what you're doing. So it's really easy to just kind of cruise through and grind. And I feel like it's moving at a pace that I'm enjoying for, you know, an RPG. Sometimes the slower pace kind of gets to me now. Like I want more action in my game. And I feel like they've been doing that with Final Fantasy lately. But this is pretty good for playing through something that I've always wanted to. And I've always been like, I'll get back there eventually. And now I'm back there. And uh, I think I'm going to try to ride this one out. I don't foresee this being a Little Town Hero situation. I think it's a pretty well-received game. I think people pretty, you know, pretty much enjoyed it back in the day despite its differences. And I think this is going to be a better experience because of all the additional content that's in there as well that I never experienced anyways. So I, oddly enough, went from Final Fantasy X-2 all the way to 15. Didn't play any of the other ones at this point. I played and some of 13. I played, You know what? I did play a little bit of 13. I never did finish it. I got through the first like hour and a half, maybe two hours. I don't I, think I've ever beaten a Final Fantasy game. Actually, no, really? I know I haven't. Oh, wow. I've never beaten a Final Fantasy game. I do want to replay 9 uh because it's been a long time since i played nine and 12 nine i, I want to start yeah, i have I nine on uh ps3 i think i would or consider four i would consider well not nine necessarily i would probably consider final fantasy 10 probably the last good final fantasy up until 15 but again i can't really judge too much because i haven't played people love 14 well it's all online isn't it yeah, it's an MMO, but people love it. And I'm just, it's I'm not, not an thing. MMO person, yeah. so I can't be there with them on that. But I like, I, I like the idea of Final Fantasy so much when I was driving. I actually bought Final Fantasy XI for the PS2 and got like the modem attachment in the back and everything. And I tried playing that. And it was just, it was like, the most expensive mistake I made like in junior high because I was so excited and I just didn't have fun with it like at all. I wanted to play 11 so bad, but my internet was so bad at that point in time that I was just like, no, I'm not even going to bother with right? this. And then they had the whole like 15 bucks a month or $10 a month. Whatever it was. And, you know, it was at a point in time where I'm like, I'm not spending that kind of money on this. Yeah. Just it was at that age where I was like, nope. So, yeah, I mean, well, that's a little peek into our previous history of Final Fantasy for all the people listening. So what's in the news this week, John? All right, sir. What is in the news? I kind of feel like we should have closed with this, but um, the Game Awards. So there's some nominations that have come out from Twisted Voxel. So let's just go to this list, dude. So, yeah, this is the Game Awards 2019 nominations. Here's a list of all the nominated games. This is by Ali Hader of Twisted Voxel. Now... He did not put together this list. He only posted this list. So my problems with this list are not problems with you, Allie. You're you're good on this, man. So I do want to watch this. And I mean, it's December 12th, which I think is a Thursday. So I, I'm even wondering if we, depending how long it takes, we might even be able to do like a live, not a live episode, but the two of us recording while we watch it. I mean, cool. we could probably put something together like that. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So let's just go through really quick. So game of the year, they've got... Well, we won't hit everything yeah, in not every everything. category, we'll but hit we'll a go few through ones. some of them. Yeah, and we'll just list out whichever games... Or not games, Here but are the titles. nominations for this year's Game of the Year. Yeah, so you got Control, Death Stranding, Smash Bros. Ultimate, Resident Evil 2, the remake, obviously, 
uh, Sekido Shadows Die Twice, and Outer Worlds. All right, John, I'm very glad that you clarified there because that's a problem that I have with this list. Some of these games are not new games of 2019. Yeah, they are. No, no, not in this list. Not this list, but the overall, all of the nominations. Some of them aren't new games, and we'll address that when we get there. Okay. But that's why I'm glad you clarified. What are you thinking is going to be game of the year out of those games? So I have so far played two of these games. I am going to be picking up Death Stranding very soon and check that one out. Uh, So I played Smash Ultimate, obviously, and I played Resident Evil 2, and... Resident Evil 2 was really cool and really good and it gave me like such like anxiety trying to play it that I stopped playing it and Smash Bros is just awesome more Smash but I feel like Kojima is just going to walk away with it because it's the most recent of these games well Outer Worlds is recent as well yeah but Outer Worlds and Death Stranding are two different levels. Outer Worlds is a great, you know, double A game that came out. True it is, versus is Death Stranding doing what's is going on and cinematic experience. crazy, here's all the money PlayStation could afford to give you dream work. And I feel like in that wake and with all the hype, like people like Outer Worlds, but I feel like as soon as Death Stranding came out, I only hear about Death Stranding and I don't hear anything about any of these games anymore. I've, and that's just because of the recentness of it. And I think that that kind of supersedes everything else on this list. And I don't even understand why control is on here. I heard people talk about it and say that it was like, okay. So based on the market and what we've talked about over the last year, I think it's going to come down between Death Stranding and Outer Worlds. The big thing being, they're the two most recent games. They're the hottest ones going on right now. Uh, one of them being Outer Worlds is just that type of game that I feel can win a game of the year. But the only thing that could potentially bring it down is a cinematic experience like Death Stranding. Yeah, I just don't think anything else on this list has the staying power. Like, people are already not talking about Sekiro anymore, and they're already talking about how, you know, the new Star Wars is the new Dark Souls type game to be played. And I feel like Sekiro is going to get lost because it's not Dark Souls. It's not Demon Souls. It's also hard. And it's not going to stick in the mind as much of those did. And that's one I still want to play. And I probably should get on that a little faster than, you know, maybe that's my new game's resolution. New game's resolution. We should probably record that. Well, wait, it's already recorded. Okay, so... Isolate that one, John. I will isolate that one. That is at the 15-minute mark. Uh, So, best action game. Apex Legends, Astral Chain, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears of War 5, and Metro Exodus. I'm going to guess this is one of those lists where it's a, they're not all from this year. No, these are all from this year. Um, I don't look at Call of Duty Modern Warfare as a this year game. I look at it from a, John was in high school playing it, and they've all of a sudden just revamped it and put it back out. No, this it's a new Modern Warfare. It's not Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare. Eh, it's Modern Warfare. But that's what it's everybody. It's Call of Duty. It's the same crap. That's what everybody said when it came out. Uh, but I mean, you know, so many people play those games. You got to at least respect it enough to put it on the list. I would love to say Astral Chain still looks really good, but after hearing people talk about it and then hearing those people not t- ever talk about it again, I feel like that's one of those, you know, 
JRPG action games that's cool, kind of like Code Vein. You know, people talked about this and Code Vein for about the same amount of time, and then I haven't heard anybody else mention them again. And coincidentally, both of those are on John's Black Friday 2020 list for pickups. There we go. Uh, Apex Legends, that was a huge hit when that came out. That's free as far as I know, except for like cosmetic stuff. So that's pretty good contender. Gears 5, I heard, was kind of all right. Uh, Metro had that annoying launch with going on the... Uh... It was... Damn it. What's it was what, Ryan? <laughs> the Epic Store. What about the Epic Store? Metro Exodus had that whole debacle with its launch on the Epic Store. It got oh, yeah, yeah, pushed yeah. to being Epic Store exclusive, and there was all that nightmare. Of this list, Devil May Cry 5. That's what I'm going to give it to. I think Devil May Cry 5 looked the best. I think people had the most like positive reactions. When I heard people talk about Devil May Cry 5, I feel like they were really into it. Like They really enjoyed it, and it had a lot to offer to fans. And there's nothing more high-octane action than Devil May Cry. I'm going to say that uh, the team behind Call of Duty Modern Warfare pumps a bunch of money into other people's hands, and they take it. Okay. All right. Uh, best we'll, after best role playing game we'll go ahead and start just going through the list yeah so best action game Borderlands 3 Control Death Stranding Resident Evil 2 Link's Awakening and Sekiro I am going to say based I on think this Borderlands list, takes it nah man I think uh, I think you're or looking Death at Link's Stranding, Awakening but Death Stranding I don't know how much action that is everybody's saying it's a walking sim I think Link's Awakening it's a remake doesn't matter Resident it's Evil Zelda. 2 is a remake also but I just I I think Borderlands 3 is the biggest name on the board, and that's going to take it. Uh, best role-playing. We've got Disco Elysium. Where the hell's that from, Disco Elysium? Final Fantasy XIV, Monster Hunter World Iceborne, Kingdom Hearts 3, and The Outer Worlds. Disco Elysium just came out a couple weeks ago. It's like a pretty interesting indie, like, psychological RPG where you have, like, battles with your brain about stuff. It looks really cool. I recommended it to a friend. But it's not something I would probably wind up playing. So Final Fantasy XIV, not a 2019 game. I know it had expansion. I know that Monster Hunter World Iceborne is an expansion. But those aren't new games. Like, if you're going to put out a list of the best RPGs of 2019, put out a list of games that are, like, current. Like, give somebody else the respect of those slots at least. Because it doesn't even say Final Fantasy XIV whatever the subtitle is. Yeah, it just, just says Final Fantasy XIV. Well, I'm going to say Outer Worlds on this one. I think it's current. It's. I don't think that anything's going to take Kingdom Hearts 3 away from being the best RPG of the year. I think everybody's going to stick by that. People waited a decade for that. And I've waited 11 years because I still have yet to play it. Uh, God, it's on my list too. Dude, my so, backlog sucks. Then it goes down. Best fighting, DOA six, Jump Force, Mortal Kombat eleven, Samurai Showdown, Smash Ultimate, Smash Ultimate. Uh, I wouldn't be so quick on that, man, because you know Smash Ultimate is just one group. I mean, you can't see it being like Mortal Kombat eleven. Nope, Smash Ultimate. No? Okay. Best family game. This is a problem. These are all Nintendo games. I saw that. Yeah. These are all Nintendo games. Why? Like, there's nothing at all that you can play on and any other console like ring fit adventure smash that's on. not a family game that's an well, exercise it game it's a family game no, a family that exercises no, together not, stays fit together right no that is a 
that's a way to try to sell people fitness in a new package. It's not a family game. Like nobody sits around with their family and watches somebody run in place and squat. Like that's not a family game. Like, like family game Mario Maker. You could make a level for I your had, brother and have your brother play it. I had a pretty good joke I was gonna throw in there, but it wouldn't have been game deflators appropriate for yeah, family game. I just um, this disappoints me that there is no other recognition beyond Nintendo. That's my biggest problem. I mean, call out a family game on another console. I was looking up stuff earlier and. I didn't come away with any good conclusiveness, but there are things on here like uh, Crash Nitro Kart is in the racing section. That's like a multiplayer on the couch, like it's technically game. on Nintendo too. Yeah, but it's not a Nintendo game. I know these are all. This is best family. Luigi's Mansion 3, Ring Fit Adventure, Super Mario Maker 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, Yoshi's Crafted World. Mario is the main guy on the cover of over half of these games and his brother's on the other one you bring up a good point like that's but, a lot of bias but i would say there's not a huge family market on the other consoles there just isn't yeah I mean, okay just dance that's one i thought of just dance is stupid sports games those are family games you could sit down and play nfl blitz or uh madden with your dad no what Oh, you're over here playing videos on your iPad. How did that even happen? I don't know. Somebody needs to wash your thumbs. Uh, dude, I mean, at the end of the day, Nintendo's the go-to yeah, I know, for it families. Just, it's frustrating that they're the whole category. Next category, best well, VR. On, I, I think I think Crafted World wins this one. Mario Maker 2. Okay. All right, best VRAR game. Beat Saber. Uh, I've never played any of these. I think I would most like to play No Man's Sky, but Beat Saber is supposed to be really good. There's also Asgard's Rad, Blood and Truth, and Trover Saves the Universe. Oh, that's the uh, that's the one by Justin oh, Roiland, right? Yep. Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, best mobile game, Call of Duty who Mobile. Cares? Really? Okay, yeah, who cares on that one? We'll have the list linked. There are some things in there. Okay. Best strategy game? I don't play any strategy games. Uh... Games for impact. This one's a cool category. I don't category, know what actually. the category is. It's supposed to be like feelsy games. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like what game is gonna give you the best like like impact to your soul type of deal? Yeah, like I know Gris so, is like that, Life is Strange is like that, Sea of Solitude is like that. Concrete, I've never heard of kind words and concrete genies like that. Uh yeah, I mean it definitely looked like it had some of that kind of introspection that you're supposed to do yeah. you know, on yourself as you play. Uh best game direction. Game uh, direction? It'll, it'll be Death Stranding. Control, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Sekido, and Outer Worlds. Death Stranding might be a little too crazy to have best game direction, but it is all Kojima, and I'm going to say he walks with it. Yep. Best esports. Now, this is your area. CSGO, Dota 2, Fortnite, League of Legends, Overwatch. This is a weird thing because they're, you know, the only one that we saw on an earlier list, Apex Legends, that launched earlier this year is not on this list all of these other games are so old yes they constantly have live patches coming out but like they're not new games like how can you how can you have a nominee one year and then have the same nominee the next year well you can't do that in anything else like titanic didn't get best picture nominated the next year also because it came out on dvd i'll argue with you on this one so best esports i mean 
even if these games have taken place the last few years, is saying out of all the esports, which was the best the this best year? The best esports are the ones with the most viewers in the highest prize pools, and that's Dota 2. Well, then Dota 2 will take it. But that's the thing. None of these are new games. Like, they don't this, have to be. But, not for esports. No, but for the video game awards, they're rewarding the, and telling the community, these are the best things that were done this year. Now, I understand those studios still do a lot of work all the time, but to not even put Apex Legends, which is nominated in another category in there so I want you to a think, little bit like I want you to think of this why for not a put second. it in there I want you to think of this for a second when you say best esports now take away Ian's best sports okay you would have basketball hockey football tennis whatever it may be those would they've been around for years those would still be the nominees yeah year but they after make year. new games they make new video games every year somebody no, no. doesn't make a new shaped ball and tell people to stand on the other side of courts every year well, i don't know man the xfl's coming out this year so that's a new sport technically all right best all right. narrative uh i haven't played any of these yet i haven't played any of these but either. i really want to play plague tale innocence yeah i've heard that that's pretty good so plague tale control death stranding disco elysium outer worlds i have no idea best uh what was it art art direction yeah. art direction i really think Link's awakening is probably the cutest game to come out in a long time i played some cyanora wild hearts and it was okay like i get what they're going for and it looks good but Link's awakening is adorable all right let's go on the list best independent game i've only played katana zero of this i know there's a lot of love for untitled goose game and Outer Wilds, I would say that I would like Outer Wilds to win to award the double A space to move forward and make more. I'm going to quickly scroll and see how many more we have. We don't have to go through all of them yet. There's still lots. So let's just go through the last little bit here. Let me scroll back up. Um, okay. The, racing. The, the final categories as we just go through our best sports racing, uh, best multiplayer game will be reviewed best ongoing games so what you're looking at is pretty much your online games yeah so final fantasy 14 is nominated in best ongoing game because it's is ongoing it, yeah but why is it also best rpg because it's not the best rpg well i guess it is nominated there all right let's just keep going best music score that'll be reviewed and why is smash not a multiplayer i don't know don't ask me because it wasn't fighting it's in multiple categories right i can't win all of them uh, best music score, uh, best audio design, which I think really should be with music score, uh, best performance, best performance, uh, you know, voice it, actors do a lot in our games. They deserve recognition. That's a good category. I think that maybe they should also have like a supporting role for that. I still think out of all of this, Norman Reedus, the fact that he went through the entire Kojima experience for this many years the guy just has to get it for that alone right um fresh indie developer so this is based on uh different developers and then best esports player this is the problem here john i don't even this, know any of those people none of those people are no tail that's what's going on here folks they're taking away a like a perfectly good opportunity to, to actually acknowledge somebody great. So no tale of OG first team in the biggest esport. Dota 2 is the biggest esport. It has the largest prize pool, it has the most viewers. Dota 2, no nominations. None of these people are Dota 2 players. 
and they just won the first time ever back-to-back first team to ever win ti twice how is that not a nomination no has been on this journey for so long he deserves to be at least nominated if not win and if not no tail tops and topson he had like no career at all before like he was just in pubs he had had like a few thousand dollars in winnings total and then came into ti won it came back the next year defended his title basically like a rookie mid carry like there's no reason that no taylor thompson shouldn't be on this list folks let it be known that i have no idea what ryan is talking about right now other talked about it before these are names from dota people and i he did not invite me to his dota super bowl this year he was well it was in china so it was 3 a.m we could still the game deflators can go on 24 7 all right uh last bit speaking here. of dota 2 real quick let's get a shout out to the Chengdu major that's going on right now and uh let's see how everybody turns out there i'll talk about it a little more after it wraps up next week best content content creator is our last one i don't best know any of these creator. people i think these are all youtubers or twitch players I but I've never heard of any of you them. You know what I'm angry about is the Game Deflators isn't on there, so we're closing out this article now. Right. Nominate uh, us. Tell tell the people at the Game Awards that you want us nominated for content creators They'll have no idea year. who we are, but we should get nominated. You know, maybe we are nominated. We just didn't make the top five, Ryan. That's what it is. Okay. We'll tell people that from now on. If from now on, we were nominated for uh, the Game of the Year. We were nominated to be one of the nominees. Next article. Sony Pictures buys AT&T stake in the Game Show Network. So a while back, and while this is Sony Pictures, and it's not exactly their gaming division per se. It's the Game Show Network, John. Yeah, well, I mean, the Game Show Network is like, you know... Uh, Games and shows on a network. As in your Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and that type of stuff. The reason I bring this up as a potentially gaming type thing is we had discussed a while back that other network that was coming up which was a gaming network i think it's actually the game network and so is this a play by sony purchasing the game show network to enhance their gaming division as well as their picture division is this a play to try and go into esports and showing esports like what do they anticipate doing by I buying think the game a, show network i think there's a real future in it and I think that the Game Show Network, if I'm not mistaken, it's been a long time, so I don't really remember. I think the Game Show Network is a pretty easy to get channel. Like, I don't think you really need to go very far outside of your cable provider and pay a bunch of extra money to get access to it. So I'm wondering if maybe this isn't a way down the road that, like you said, they can premier esports on because it would be a big grab to get people watching esports on tv somewhere that isn't like espn at some weird hour because nothing else is on yeah and that's typically where it is like with espn it, it kind of does feel like a second thought uh and i've i've seen some gaming on like abc and nbc and such in the past but this would be pretty interesting to see if sony like straight up takes this and has like your standard game shows and whatnot but starts to mix in more gaming and with a with a television network like the game show network you don't have to drop all of the content and change it over to video games i feel like that was a problem for uh what was the old video game channel g4 g4 yeah g4 tv like the thing is it's really hard to fill you know 24 hours a day seven days a week 
with content. So if you already have a network that's running content, it's probably a lot easier to introduce blocks of content. Like people can watch, you know, whatever channel they watch in their normal day and see very different types of content throughout the day. Game Show Network's only showing you games. So if it wants to do like between 12 and 5, we show real games and between 6 and 8, we show video games. That's going to be a lot easier than forming your own channel and trying to fill 24-7. Exactly. So we'll see what happens. I mean, this is just Ryan what? and I kind of speculating. And Sony also, they're not coming at uh, E3 anymore. So this could be a way that they could have their own platform to produce content that could be distributed to the masses. Now, nobody else is doing that. I don't think it's a great idea, but, you know, Sony Pictures... Sony games, you know, they're similar. They yeah, can do stuff together. They can hang out. And Sony's made quite a few moves this year as is. So this is just one of the additional things for them to to pop in their portfolio. So we'll see how it goes, dude. Obviously, like I said, we're speculating, but it'll be really interesting to see if this plays out in that type of direction. Uh, and the next thing, gaming related, and we've talked about this for so many, so many Stadia. months. Like, yeah, Google Stadia and article. Why is it not? Keep staying highlighted. Is that how it is? It's just highlighted? I don't know. Oh, Google Stadia's go. data use is over 100 megabits per minute at 1080p, says Jeff Grubb of VentureBeat.com. Yeah, so this article goes into what we've been talking about they for the longest the time. Yeah, so we made assumptions a long time ago that based on the type of content that would be getting pushed through Stadia, that it was going to be an issue if you're an internet service provider. You have a one terabyte cap typically, you're gonna be streaming a lot of content in addition to everything else you do. We were talking about the fact, and this was probably back in May or April, where we discussed where you're probably gonna go over that data cap and you're going to end up having to pay additional dollars for not only more data, or you're gonna be able to go into a uh, adding to your you know service providers you contract. might have to modify yeah. what you're doing now if you want a game but so yeah. here's so let's here's go the raw numbers give it to them i'll give it to them all right so basically it's saying that google stadia is a data hog we've talked about this uh they're saying that if you're playing at say 4k and 60 frames per second it averages out to about 20 gigabytes per hour so if you want the ultimate gaming experience of google stadia the best of the best that you can get playing in 4k getting it at 60 frames per second you can expect to spend 20 gigabytes per hour in data to give you an idea on how that breaks down for an internet service provider usually your cap is about a terabyte that's 50 hours of gaming once you hit 50 hours of gaming that's it you're over that cap you then have to purchase additional cap space depending on your service provider it could be ten dollars or twenty dollars and on top of that, if you wanted to, say, add a no cap, you know, part of your contract, you're looking at additional money to spend on no cap. So it's really interesting how, you know, we talked about this a long time ago and it's kind of coming to fruition. And so I was talking to Ryan earlier. And honestly, if you're a hardcore gamer and you're putting down more than 50 hours a month, I don't think Stadia is worth it. Well, now here's another thing. Think about it this way, John. Stadia is really marketed at this whole idea of being able to play on your TV, on your computer, on your phone, on your tablet. They don't really seem like they're marketing at people who are just going to sit at home and do this. So anytime you spend playing these games away from your home, 
is no longer going to be cutting in on your home ISP data cap. Now it's also going to be split to your phone or your tablet or your friend's house or your work computer, like wherever you're playing Stadia, now you're spreading that around. So I could see how somebody sitting at home and playing their whole terabyte of data a month by beating Red Dead at 4K 60 FPS for 50 hours, which is kind of how those are kind of the numbers that he lays out in this article. And I think that when you take a look at those type of people, those type of people are already looking for that versatility. They're already people who, if they're playing Red Dead now, they either just got it on computer and they're already set or they never had a console and they want to play it and this is going to be their best way or their favorite way to play. Not to mention, if you do want to, you can always scale that back. Like, you could play 4K 60 FPS for half a month and then play, you know, other games that aren't necessarily, you don't need that crispness. You don't have to stream everything in 4K 60 FPS all the time. You could do 1080p for some games and 4K for others, play a little bit on your phone. You know, there's ways to spread this out where it isn't just like, here's everything all at once, and now you can't even, you know, well, the look other, up the weather on your phone without paying another 20 bucks. The other thing to consider here, too, though, is you have streaming services that are out there for other people in the household. So while I may want to sit back and say I just want to hang out at home and play games, well, if my wife is playing, you know, something on TV and somebody else is using internet in the household and I'm trying to stream games at the same time, that's a lot of data space that's going to be used. And it's not to say that I'm the core market, right? Like I'm, I'm clearly not the core market for Google in this respect. But even if I spent half of my time, because I don't want to play games at 1080p, I've got 4K games. If I want to play yeah, 1080p, I'm going to play my retro. you're also 50 hours of games a month. Well, yeah, but there are people that play more than that. Yeah, well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, this is not necessarily marketed at everybody. There are people out there who don't have a problem paying a little extra to get some more internet. And I mean, anybody who's heavy into doing, you know, things online and uses a lot of their data anyways, if they want to add this on top of that, that's just something that they're going to have to be conscious of. Like, I know that it's obvious to say that it's on you to make sure that you're using your data responsibly or, you know, doing whatever you think you need to, to make sure that you're not going over. But if you're worried about that, get a console. How much is that going to cost you? You know, the few hundred dollars that you put into your console could be, you know, 20 extra gigs a month for 10 months. You know, like there yeah. are other ways that this breaks down. And I know that ultimately the best way to game, if you're worried about it, is to just buy a console, well, exactly. buy the physical game, no and then reliance. you're doing something different. You're not doing Stadia. You're trying to save money then. If you want to use Stadia, you're doing it for different reasons than being frugal. Yeah, and well, the point I think the whole point of this article, though, is just saying that, you know, yes, it's going to be a lot of data being used, and that's something we had talked about. Whether or not you choose to partake in using that much data is a different story, but in terms of consoles, yes, I do think that is the better route. It's not reliant on the internet per se. You can still play a well, game. Well, in any multiplayer game that you're playing online or any online game, 
you're already using maybe not that much data, but you're already using some data. Like you're you're not getting away from like Stadia is not the only way you're using data. No, I know. And that's where game. it and that's where it comes into multiple people in a household. If you're trying to play games on Stadia and somebody else is streaming and somebody else is say playing multiplayer online, that's a lot of data being used. So Well yeah, that's just unreasonable for your home, I guess. I guess, yeah. Okay, so Enough about Google Stadia and the Game Awards and Sony Pictures. Let's get into our favorite section of our podcast, the Inflation Deflation Challenge. So today's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Uh, last week, I picked out a pretty box off of John's shelf called Star Control. I know those controls were bad. So Star Control... For those not in the know, developed by Toys for Bob, published by Accolade, designed by Fred Ford and Paul Reich or Ricci the Reich? third. I don't know. Be Paul Reich. Paul Reich, R E I C H E. Yeah. Paul Reich. Uh came out back July nineteen ninety. Did not do so well. This game's like a three out of five, and I tend to agree. We we only checked out the melee mode. And practice. And the practice mode, and we looked for a few minutes at the the main story mode. Story mode. And we had zero clue what was happening or what to do or how to do. So we just fought spaceships with other spaceships, and eventually the computer destroyed us. It said it obliterated us, actually. It, oh, obliterated. It really, it, Sorry. It, it threw some shade at us. So... I guess let's kind of talk about the game. The overall premise is wars in space and you could probably go into some of the lore if you really want to we don't necessarily need to but uh as far as the story mode is concerned from what i saw you're pretty much building an army and you're battling like that's the general premise of it and on the melee mode it's more of a and one of the reviews i read on this kind of confirmed that the melee mode is pretty much taking two groups of races or not races, but two groups. So like an alliance and say um, a rebel army or something, right? Well, I guess that's the same thing. So just take those two armies, you put them side by side and say, okay, here's your 10 ships for this one. Here's your 10 ships for that one. Have at it. And it kind of marks off the ships as they go. So each ship has a certain amount of fuel and a certain amount or certain rate of uh, weapon reuse and certain health as well. And so they all you have different much, weapons. They're all shaped differently. Yep. They control differently. And, and you battle. That's yeah, really it. I thought that that part of the game was frustrating. Fun. I mean, there was like a bunch of different ships. They all acted, you know, relatively differently. And like the enemy ships, you know, depending on what ship they were using, definitely seemed like it had different kind of behaviors trying to, you know, it wasn't like too archaic where it just seems like the same thing over and over again. Like it definitely seemed different. And some of the battles seemed a little more dynamic. I feel with the number of ships in there, there's a, a big enough toy box to, you know, fight different pieces against each other and, you know, develop strategies and, you know, develop like, you know, these two are really, it's tough to kill this one with this one. It's uh, This ship is way overpowered compared to this one. And that was one thing that it actually had brought up in one of the articles was that this type of game, the, what we were playing with that AI is better suited for two people to play. Yeah. So, like, we could have technically played against each other, but it was like, you know, we kind of got the gist of it. There was yeah. no reason to. And It I would could, just take longer. Yeah, and I could see where it would actually be pretty fun to have two people battling it out versus playing an AI. Yeah, for sure. 
So uh, we played this on John's Genesis. So we played on my Genesis, and uh, we can go into a little bit of a pricing on this game. So pricing in general for the uh, cardboard box version, which is what I have. Important to know. There are confused a little earlier. There are several versions. We have the cardboard box version. Yep. So cardboard box version, complete in box, $25.19, peaked at $25.99 in July of this year. And the price point is actually holding at this point. There's not a whole lot of movement. It's going down a little. Eh, A little bit, but not too much. Um, and then loose. So loose 9.98 is the uh, general price point. There's not a lot of sold date on loose copies of this, so it is not trending anywhere. It's yeah, kind there's of staying just, where it's at. There's not a good record of this edition. We got mixed up with the non cardboard box edition, and that had a lot more data in it. But this is, uh, you know, 25 bucks. It's a cool looking box. I really like the box. But, man, 25 bucks is steep for this game. Yeah, I mean, the way I would play this game and the way I would enjoy it is if it was on an arcade and we were going head-to-head and playing. So for anybody... Joysticks. Yeah, anybody that's never heard of this game or seen it, picture Asteroids. Like, that's kind of a general concept. You can go to one side of a map and it'll lead you on from the bottom if you're coming from the top. Same general concept. You're shooting, you just have different ships, and you can go head-to-head. Well, in this- ultimate, And there are... You know, obstacles as well, not to the extent yeah. of asteroids, but you do have little asteroids you bump flying. Into stuff and you've and got take s- damage. Yeah, and you take a little damage. But now, this was on a bunch of other systems. Would you play this on on any of those other systems instead? All right. So the Amiga, I don't recall what that is. Amstrad CPC, Commodore sixty four, Sega Genesis, MS DOS, ZX Spectrum, and OSX, which would be, I guess, OSX. Uh, let's see the Amiga. That's a computer base. So, yeah, probably on the Amiga. That's another computer base. Well, I mean, All of like, these are, are primarily any, computer based. Have you played any of these consoles that I'm I'm just trying to see if I've played a if Commodore maybe 64. Maybe a Genesis version would be something you would prefer. Well, I've played a Commodore 64. Because you said specifically arcade. Well, yeah, what I mean by arcade is, you know, an arcade cabinet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything else in here is computer. Actually, funny enough, the only one that didn't have a keyboard was the Sega Genesis on those. Mm-hmm. So I would say you probably would get a better experience playing on like a keyboard and with a mouse, but... I think that was before Mice, John. Uh, yeah, probably. No, one of them had a mouse on there. Um, I think it was the Amiga. And then it has Mac OS as well, so that had a, um, mm. a mouse as well. Yeah, and you can obviously play it nowadays with a mouse. But I would say, and you know, honestly, though, the game probably only relies on keyboard uh, to be up front. I would still say, though, if this was on an arcade cabinet, you'd have a better experience. And I really think that if I took a Raspberry Pi and popped this on there and put it into my own cabinet, I would probably enjoy this game a lot in a two-player head-to-head battle. Yeah, I think so. And at so- that point... I would say if, say, you were taking a game like this and you had the ability to just pop it in and use a standard arcade stick, mm-hmm. it'd be worth the 25 in that respect. Yeah, I think that the different ships and, like, the thought and control and, like, they all had, like, different pilots that you could see inside. Whenever you would shoot or turn or hit the gas, they would do something a little different. This game has a lot of heart in it. I think it looked really good. I think the sound was awful. As soon as John turned it on, I was like, is that how it's supposed to sound? But, you know, eventually it kind of... I don't have very much experience with a lot of these older games, so I'm usually kind of charmed by them going into this. And I would pay the 10 bucks for the loose 
if I already had like two controllers and a nice Genesis and, you know, an afternoon to kill with some friends or whatever, this is the kind of game that I think would be worth like throwing down in the melee mode. But I couldn't imagine paying $25 for this to try the story. No. You know, there's just, there's too much in this that I wouldn't spend money on to make me want to spend more than 10 and honestly with the quality of other games that we've played and knowing you know developing after a year of doing this a better idea of you know what what the value is in retro gaming and collecting i don't think i would pay more than like six bucks for this i yeah same deal i wouldn't pay more than that i mean it's it's cool that i have it interesting game i would not it's not worth 25 at all I, I don't even honestly know what price point i would put on it to make it worth that um maybe 10 bucks complete is where i would be so yeah so that's our inflation deflation this week all no, right so we are inflated very much inflated on this now next week is a much much better game with it being thanksgiving Ryan asked me, what game uh, for, are you... For all our international listeners out there, check us out on you know Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google Play Store, iHeartRadio, Well, not Google iTunes, Play Store, Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Find us on any of those places, uh, the Game Deflators, or just Game Deflators. But here in America, we like to celebrate a little thing called Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of every November. So next week, we are going to be thankful for this game. Yeah, so Ryan asked me what I was most thankful for on my shelf. And what I am most thankful for is the $2.99 that I played or paid for Saturn Bomberman. And that was, God, probably six years ago I paid $2.99. And obviously, you saw the prices floating it's currently like at... three fifty five. dollars Yeah. Uh, unbelievable, dude. And I would be thankful for that, too. And you know what? I have played a little bit of Bomberman in the past. I dig Bomberman. I, I almost bought the new one for Switch when I got my Switch, but I, I didn't because I don't know anybody else that plays Bomberman. So we'll have a good time. Yep. So Bomberman on the Saturn next I week. I used to play it on my phone. That was like, I think that was one of the first phone games I ever got was a Bomberman. I played a lot on the SNES, but I'm wondering if you're going to think it's worth the 350 Ryan. <laughs> the 355 or the... <laughs> 350 you gave the guy and got change back for oh no it was at a non-profit uh donation store so it was 2.99 oh, okay yeah i might have donated a penny there you go yeah okay well that is our episode for this week that's episode 54 again check us out on social media channels my name is john i'm captain bosch captain bosch and we are the, the game. futurama fan oh, oh wait what I see. Oh, I, I did a thing you weren't expecting, and then you did a thing I wasn't expecting. Yeah, you see how it feels, right? I, I see right. how it is. Don't believe to... John Doerr's lies. We're the Game Deflators, folks. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.